Judges 6, and I want to continue to talk about, and you know, my notes, sometimes my notes, as you know, are they're somewhat disposable for me, but uh, I, I'm going to just, uh, that's why I'm just saying for everybody's benefit, uh, moving forward, I just want to pretty much provide you with a title, scripture text, and a couple general points, because I, I go where I feel like God takes me to go. And I'm sorry, I can't apologize for that. I'm not going to either. So if you're waiting, just we'll leave the lights on for you. Then you can hang out a little bit. Uh, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel. um, Let me see, I lost my place here already. (coughs) Yeah. Two, thank you. Uh, the Midianites were so cruel that the uh, Israelites uh, that uh, the Israelites made hiding places in in caves for themselves. You know, it kind of sounds like what's happening today, right? A little bit in the mountains and caves and strongholds. That whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian. Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were thick as locusts, and they arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, and when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of uh, slavery in Egypt, I rescued you uh, from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you, I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must worship. Uh, you must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord uh, came and sat uh, beneath the great uh, tree of Ophrah, uh, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, uh, the Lord is with you. You know, there's a lot more to this, and certainly, you know, I'm not, we could read it, and, and I hope you will. I encourage you to read the full text as you see the angel of the Lord uh, speaks to uh, Gideon, and Gideon, uh, he, he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. He, uh, the angel of the Lord states that it's God's intention to use him to bring liberation and freedom, and uh, Gideon objects. He uh, declares himself to be the least in his household and his family and his family to be the least among the tribes. And, you know, uh, you see Gideon here um, is a man who was doing what a lot of people are doing, working, uh, just trying to survive, you know, just trying to get by every day. You know, how many know God wants us to do more than just get by? He wants us to have abundant life. That's what the Word says, that Jesus came to give us abundant life, not to give us anemic, an anemic existence, but it came to give us abundant life. How many have come in here today and you've got some, you got, you're plugged into your abundant life resource? 
Yeah, it's not you're plugged in to him. It's not about turning on and off the switch. It's about staying plugged in into the Lord. And so as we look at Gideon, Gideon was living as a survivor. And at that time, it, it was needful because, you know, if they, if they uh, t- uh, refined their crops, those crops were taken from them. Uh, the people robbed them and told, took from them those who had uh, come in as oppressors and occupiers. And so Gideon was doing, in the practical sense, what really needed to be done. Uh, he was taking care of the need for his household. And, you know, as we've shared before, normally you, you would want uh, to be able to thresh the wheat in a place where uh, the, the wind would carry the chaff away. And there wasn't much chance of that happening in this context because Gideon was in a low spot so that he could be, uh, conceal what he was doing. And, you know, as I read the background of this scripture, you know, it was a time of shame and oppression for the people of Israel. And uh, the thing that I thought about is that what the scripture says when it says sin is a reproach to any people. You know, righteousness exalts a nation and sin brings reproach. And in this case, there could be a real clear view of that. Uh, The nation was living under reproach, living in oppression, and they were told by the prophet of the Lord who was raised up why this was transpiring. And, you know, uh, it's important for us today to keep in mind, uh, and the one thing I I would say is, again, to keep a little bit of of a cultural contemporary view of this is that there there are many of those who live in Ukraine who identify as Ukraine, Ukrainians and not Russians. I've heard people after people say, we are Ukrainians, we are not Russians. They were brought out of Russia. They were brought out of the Soviet Union, and they've been living in, in a, in a free, as a free nation, and they, uh, were not, they, they, they're not under that any longer. And, you know, it's important for we as Christians to understand that we have been liberated We've been set free by the blood of Christ and brought out of that bondage and that dark place into the wonderful light of freedom. I thank God today. I couldn't have done any of that for myself. If I could have redeemed myself, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die. But the fact that he did have to come and die for my redemption and be resurrected so that I could be justified, it tells me that we were unable to do this on our own. And I would think that Ukraine realizes at this point, without divine intervention, without something happening that grants them a favorable, more favorable position, that this is a very, very, very steep, steep, steep hill. You know, apart from God, there is no climbing the mountain that has been formed in front of us by our iniquity and our sin. You just can't get that high. But you know, today as we look at this, I believe that it's God's desire for the Christians more than ever before to appreciate and to thank God for who we are in Him. And not only knowing who we are, because we talk a lot about knowing our identity, and we should, and we should be versed in it based upon what God's Word says and the revelation that God provides to His church. We need to know who we are, but with the knowledge of who we are comes the responsibility. And, you know, that's where sometimes, uh, you know, that's like saying, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, and just going on autopilot and saying, you know, I don't have any responsibility to anyone else. 
You know, all I know is that I'm not going to hell, uh, but I don't know anything beyond that. Uh, you know, God has saved me from hell, and I'm going to heaven. That's not what this is about. When we live this life of faith, we are called to service. You know, we've brought out, been brought out of the slave ship that, that is attached to our sinful identity. We've been brought into freedom. We're no longer slaves in that regard. But like the Apostle Paul, we are love servants unto the Lord. We serve the Lord because we love Him. We give to Him that which exceeds the expected and the natural extension of what we could do because we love Him. He's brought us out. He loved us first. We love Him now because He loved us first. And so when we think about who it is that God says we are, and we went over this, but I'm not, so I'll briefly skirt through some of it. You know, the number one, the devil wishes to defeat professing believers with a defeated view of who they are. You know, that we would live this life of self-pity and we see ourselves as being perpetual victims in every relationship and in every situation of life. And we find ourselves, we just build this, uh, this hardened, darkened identity that is not ours. And the only way to walk in, to know our identity is to really prayerfully get into the scriptures, be with others who are walking this journey out in life. Don't withdraw unto yourself. You know, we really need to be exposed to one another more and more. Because you say, well, maybe they're not good for me. Well, the thing is, if we get enough people who are uh, walking in Christ and walking in their identity and walking according to their calling among us, that's going to begin to affect others and encourage them. And as iron sharpens iron, God will use believers to sharpen one another. You know, Moses, as we mentioned last time, he refused uh, to be identified with Egypt. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He recognized that that's not who he was. We can't allow the world to define us. We can't allow the godless rhetoric and philosophy and all of the stuff that goes on in the world to begin to influence who we believe ourselves to be. You know, the world and the church are two distinct entities. You know that, right? I mean, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, right? We are ambassadors to this world, but we are not living in relationship with this fallen world uh, as we would if we didn't know Jesus. We are fishers of men. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are that city set upon a hill. We are light. We are salt. We've been called to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every nation. You know, we are truly, truly distinct and peculiar in this world, and our identity comes exclusively from the Lord. The years of oppression had shaped Gideon's perception of who he uh, saw himself to be. And, you know, and when, when you see yourself that way, you live that way. And when you get people who believe they're defeated in their minds, they live that way. You know, I look at these Ukrainians, they really, a lot of them, I don't know, I'm sure there's a lot who are very petrified and fearful and hiding, which would be normal, but there are those who truly believe they can win this thing. You know, they, you know, they hear what people say, perhaps, 
They know what it looks like, but they believe that they can win this. If the church understands uh, just a little bit of that, our confidence in Christ would just go through the roof and we would know that the church and you and I are not victims. We are not living in a place of disadvantage. We are blessed. Come on, church. You know, sometimes the best answer, and I'm trying to adopt this more and more when people ask me how I'm doing, the one thing that I know will be truthful and will be positive is this, that I am blessed. And sometimes I'm not going to go into anything else because I don't need to because that really, regardless of my circumstances or situation in life, I'm blessed. There's something to be learned from the fact that the Midianites, uh, were, they were so cruel that it forced the people into caves and, and into the mountains and, and places of hiding. This is not a day for you and I to hide our witness. If you're ashamed, you need to step out of that. If you're afraid, you need to step, we need to step out of that. We, not just you, we. You know, if we feel like we have to be politically correct... I want you really to step out of that. I hate that. Because the church isn't going to win the world because it's politically correct. The church is going to win the world because it's got the message. It's got an anointing. Come on, church. I mean, no, we're not going to sell our anointing to try to, you know, be clever and tricky and all this kind of stuff because the world right now, how many of you believe that those people in Ukraine right now couldn't give two hoots what kind of building their church looks like? Because they realize at this point that the church is the people in front of them and they're not concerned about how long the service was last week or who spoke to them. You know, we're, they're down to the nuts and bolts of, you know, existence and life moving forward. It's easy to get lost in the woods, right, for all the trees that are around us and lose sight of things. So here we go as if, if we believe and think of ourselves merely in, with respect to our abilities and we live in comparison to others, you know, we're always going to come up short, always, because we're going to see ourselves as limited. Come on, church. Then we are limited. We understand that it's not about what we can do, but God can go far beyond us and work through our abilities beyond those limited uh, range. How many know that God has used you from time to time, and he wants to use us consistently to be uh, involved in things that exceed our abilities? That God would advance his purposes beyond our capabilities, but what he requires is us to be available and to be there. When God's people have a wrong view of themselves, there's, you know, God provides a turnaround moment, I believe. In this instance, uh, he raises up a prophet who speaks to the nation and he uh, speaks the truth to them, the hard word. And God provides that turnaround moment for Gideon when he sends the angel of the Lord to him and he calls him a mighty man of valor. It's a turnaround moment. And we understand you read on down, you have the fleeces and seeking confirmation and all this kind of thing. And God was very patient uh, with uh, Gideon as he is with all of us. 
He didn't disqualify him because, you know, Gideon was uncertain. You know, God, I don't believe that God does that. I think the Bible says without faith, you know, we can't, we can't please God or we don't walk in a way pleasing to the Lord perhaps. But here's the thing. I think God has great patience to grow our faith. He doesn't get frustrated early on in the process and said, you're, you're just, you don't have it. Get out of here. How many of you are glad today that God doesn't look at you and say, you don't have it, you're done? There are some days that it's pretty apparent to everybody, and even including to myself, that I don't have it. And that's sometimes the best thing is when we know we don't have it, right? And we just come to the Lord who does have it. We're not moving in this realm because of what we can do. It's all about God and who he is. This isn't about you. It's not about me, how skilled, how talented, how... There are a lot of skilled people with abilities that probably could do better job at what we do in the church than what we do. You say, well, I take offense to that. Well, I don't really care. Because here's the fact. There are a lot of skilled, talented people in the world who aren't walking in their identity and they're not walking in humility before God and they're not walking with, uh, with uh, the anointing of God upon them. That anointing is what makes the difference. Whether you believe it or not, it's in the word that God gave us Holy Spirit to provide an anointing and an empowerment for us to live beyond our abilities. How many of you still believe that when, when the Lord said, you shall receive power, he meant dynamite, he meant dunamis power, you're going to get a load of power to do what it is that you've been called to do. Come on, church, we're not disadvantaged. We don't need a, a government to give us the, the freedom. I, we love the freedom and we want freedom, but understand if they took away every freedom we had, they couldn't stop you from worshiping the Lord. And we're blessed to live in a nation, at least thus far, where we can, uh, for the most part, worship the Lord. And, and even if that would ever change, you understand, it doesn't change one thing about the real, real facts about worship. The only thing necessary for worship is spirit and truth, not legislation. Moses' crisis of confidence was addressed at a burning bush turnaround moment. The turnaround moment for uh, Israel was a much costlier turnaround, and it, was, it spanned 40 years when a whole generation died in the wilderness because they weren't going to be a part of what God was going to do next because they lived in some false belief or identity and had lost sight of the purpose. We talked about, and I'm not going to do it. I gave you a whole list last time. I'll provide them for you. Another thing I want to do is give you the handouts every week. I'm not leaving you with blanks because sometimes when I get caught up in what I'm saying and I see that blank, I draw a blank. We'll just give you the answers and you just, write, you just follow along. Is that okay? You know, you, you, I gave you a, provided you a whole list. And here's, who does God say that he is? Understand this, God is holy. Come on, church, God is holy. So what, is that, what's that, what, what does that mean to you and I? Here's what it means. He says, be holy for I am holy. You see, that's what, that's what it means. And, you know, think about that and what that means. How, what is holiness? Well, God, I'll try better. God, I'll try, I'll, try, I'll try not to do this. I'll try not to do that. You know, that's great that we make these resolutions, but none of them are going to get us there. 
Because transformation begins with the heart. You know, the heart is the part of you that God wants. If you're going to live a holy life, it begins at heart level. How many know it's your heart that God wants to be enthroned on? I'm going to ask you this morning, as God would ask me, who's enthroned on your heart today? Who's enthroned on this guy's heart this morning? You know, that, that's the key to living in Christ and living that holy life. It's about surrender. It's a, not about, it's, it's a surrender to the, to, the, to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's just a surrender to the authority of, of the Word. And here's where righteousness comes from. It's given to us through Christ. It's not of ourselves. How many know you have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ? He has given it to your account so that you stand in a position of righteousness. Holiness cannot be realized in our lives if it doesn't come from God. Because the best that you and I can do is not holiness. It requires a surrender to the Lord. It, it requires the heart being offered to God in completeness. And then God pours forth into our lives and he considers us to be holy. When, how many know when God has your heart, he'll get everything else? Come on, church. That's what he's after. He's after your heart. He doesn't want your wallet. He'll get that if he gets your heart. You say, God's only after me for my tithe. No, he's after you for your heart. But we realize when he gets your heart, your tithe's going to slip out of your pocket pretty freely. Nobody's going to have to convince you of anything. God's holiness can only be joined in relation with and agreement with that which is holy. It, it's absolutely, the, 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 the holiness comes through relationship, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through the word being spoken over our lives, declared upon our, and being foundational for, for who we are. You know, it is a huge insurmountable problem when we try to live a holy life apart from God. You know, there's not a bridge long enough to span that chasm. In Christ alone is man made righteous, and beneath his blood is the purchase of redemption, the imputation of Christ's character, and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we avail ourselves to him. That's where holiness comes from. God is love. God is love. Come on, church, say that with me. If the church really believed that, there would never be another church split. Love covers a multitude of sin. Come on, church. Oh, well, you know, they, I just, I had a man tell me one time that I, he was standing there and he was going at it with somebody else. And I talked to him. I said, you know, this is unproductive. Why are we doing this? And he says, I, I'm going to have the last word. And I said, well, um, then what's that accomplish? And he just could not get it out of his mind that he was going to have the last word. And, you know, this is a guy that had been in church for 30-some years. He was a man of influence in the church, and he acted like a fool. He was, gonna, he was going to compromise the integrity of his profession to maintain a feud with somebody. You know, it's amazing to me that sometimes 
you know, and I'm saying that because in, and it's, not, it's all over. You understand, Satan wants to come and bring division and discord within any group. How, how come there are so many uh, uh, marriages destructing, even in the church? How come there are so many relationships and friendships that are broken and estrangements just taking root? It's because we don't, we say, oh, God is love. You know, if God is love and you truly believe that and he's your God and he's my God and he lives in here, then the outgrowth of what comes out of us will be his love, right? 1 Corinthians 13, I hear people say, well, we could never do with all that stuff. I'm going to tell you, apart from Christ, we can't do any of it. But, it. but in Christ, we can love like that. You understand that. We can. Don't listen to people who tell you it's not possible. That's, that's an absolute 100, I'm foaming at the mouth, 100%, 100% lie. Because why is it there? God just put it there to give us some high, noble thought that is unattainable, unreachable. How many of you know that the more of Jesus there is in your life, the more capable you are of loving the way Jesus loves? Because if if it weren't for him, you and I couldn't do it. You and I can't walk across the street spiritually and chew gum at the same time apart from Christ. So certainly we can't love a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love uh, on our own, but in Christ we can. That always angered me. I hear people, well, we can't do that. What is it, just to take up page? No, because that's the way the church is to love, because the more Jesus in us, the more love that comes out of us. We don't keep record of wrongs. Come on, church. How many know that's what the church is to be transformed in? Because Christ, is he forgives us. Aren't you glad today? How many of you can think of some of the things that you hope God has forgotten? (laughs) Oh, he's got my sin. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. But I'm I'm never going to forget what you did. Don't talk to me anymore. I mean about that. (laughs) <laughs> you want to talk about something else, but don't, if that's where you've landed and that's where you're going to stay, then you obviously don't, your life hasn't been transformed by the fact that God is love. First Corinthians, or First John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it? He is righteous. How many thank God you say today, Christ is my righteousness. It's not me. Come on, church. You know it's not you, but it's what God has done in us and through us. He takes the filth of our sin and our depravity, and he removes it, and he fills us with him. Psalm 9610. I'm going to hurry. I see Randy has a little girl with him. Is that your granddaughter? Oh, Randy celebrated a birthday. I'm not, I, he's, he's young. He is young. You know Randy? Anybody know Randy? Randy's pretty soft-spoken, so Randy probably is not appreciating this. Uh, Psalm 96.10, but I love him. I love Randy. I love Randy. I do. He knows. I tell him that. Uh, say, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. 
The Lord is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. He is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is trustworthy. You know, we say it all the time. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do you believe that today? And you know, God help us to come more in alignment with what your word says. You know, some people say, oh, this is all very noble and it sounds very idealistic. And it would be if it weren't for the Holy Spirit working on me. You know, uh, all of it would be. Just be a bunch of ideals. But God wants it to be borne out. He is all-powerful. Aren't you glad that God is all-powerful? I mean, he's all-powerful. He's greater than bombs. Come on, never say, how many know Holy Spirit dunamis is greater than bombs? Holy Spirit reaches into the spirit realm and it breaks down strongholds. It breaks down bondages. It advances life. It doesn't produce death. It is an explosion of life. Church, we should be exploding with life. And I say we. Revelations 19.6, and I heard it as it were, the voice of great multitude, the sound of many waters, the sound of a mighty, uh, mighty thundering saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Can we say that, make that a confession? Let's speak that toward uh, Europe today. Uh, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Come on, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. We speak that against every wind of evil, every thought that hell would contrive. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. Hallelujah. On Sunday, uh, God reigns. On Monday, God reigns. Tuesday, God reigns. The omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, He's going to reign today, tomorrow, and forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever He is. He is all-knowing. My God knows everything. I, you know, I don't really, I'm not the smartest bulb, so I don't always like to get into theological uh, discussions. I don't mind, uh, you know, for my level kindergarten. But I, I just, I, I'm not always into these big roundabout, run all over the camp saying, well, God doesn't really, I've had people say, God doesn't really know everything. I got to tell you, I don't believe that for one second. God knows everything. You know, there was a time, and I'm almost done. There was a time when we went to a community church service, Robin, and we're standing there. And, you know, you know, when people get up front, it's their time to wax eloquent, right? And so this guy comes up, and he walks up, and, uh, you know, he says, let's pray. And he goes, oh, great God of the universe, thou knowest the very tingling of our nostril hairs. I got to tell you. I lost it. I was sitting in the front row, and I was bent over laughing. And Robin was looking and saying, stop it. Because I honestly just had never had it, heard anybody pray that way, that God knew the very tingling of our nostril hairs. I got to tell you, he does know. I thought about that. That wasn't doctrinally wrong, so he's okay. If you're t- yes, next time your, your nostril hairs are tingling, just, just think God knows. 
So as much as I laughed, he didn't say anything wrong. He's omnipresent. God's everywhere. You know what? God's already in tomorrow waiting for you. Come on, Trey. You say, I'm so afraid of what tomorrow's going to be. God's already there waiting for you. He's in, your, he's in your yesterday. He's in your tomorrow. He's already there. You know, when they were th- the Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace, here's the thing. You know, the Lord was already there. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, you understand God was already there. He didn't show up. Uh, he didn't say, well, I'm going to give him a few minutes. He's there. I want you to hear that because some people live in fear of tomorrow. When we look at it, we understand God's already there. The Bible says, if I, make my, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Surely the darkness shall, uh, bef- uh, shall fall on, even if the darkness fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. You know, today, the eyes of the Lord are upon the earth. He sees good and evil. He sees it all. He is truth. <clears throat> John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. And the truth, the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. That's the fact, Jack. That's everything. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, period. He doesn't say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. At life. He didn't say that either. He said, a life. He said, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. You hear that? You know, you're going to get called a radical, a bigot. You're going to get called a lot of things if you truly, truly believe that. But if we believe that, that doesn't mean that God has closed his embrace and turned his back on people. He's got his arms out reaching toward people, loving on people, caring for people. You know, church, we can't become so self-righteous and smug in who we think we are and fold our arms and look at the world only to turn our back on those for whom Christ died. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. He is exalted. Psalm 21:13. be exalted, O Lord. In your own strength, we will sing and praise your power. He alone is God, Isaiah 43, 11. He says, I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. He's infinite, eternal, unchanging in his wisdom, being, power, holiness, goodness, justice, and truth. He is with us, and he's not against us because we are with him. And last of all, what has God called us to do? I don't know if, you know, I said I had three or four points. I'm assuming it's three. I don't know. What God has called us to do. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? We know who we are. We know who God's word declares him to be. The Holy Spirit is always bringing revelation, knowledge, and understanding into our lives. And he's speaking. How many know the Holy Spirit continues to tutor and teach? And to lead us places where we've never been, to hear things we've never heard, to see things we've never seen, to do the things that we've never done. 
He has called us to declare this gospel to the whole world. The whole world. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all uh, to every creature. He has called us out of darkness. How many are not living where you used to live? You're not living there anymore. You're not living in condemnation. You're not living in bondage. You're not living in fear. You're not living in, 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 in uh, this uh, ugly morass. You're not you're of the world, this cesspool of filth. You're living in the light. I love sunny days. I do. I'm not going to lie. How many of you like sunny days? Oh, I love sunny days. And I'll tell you what, what keeps me going when they're not as sunny. It's the sunlight, sunlight in my heart today. That's it. But you are a, royal, a chosen generation. Would you stand with me? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but now the people of God who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. He has called us to make his name famous among the nations. He's called us to do what he did when he walked on the earth in the authority of the Holy Spirit of, our, of the Spirit of the living God in the Word of God. Bible says in John 20, 21, so Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. God's sending the church today, sending you out into the world to be a witness for Christ in every realm of influence that he has blessed you to have. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. He has called us to be a kingdom of priests. He has called us to love one another and to love the lost. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. He has called us to embrace our identity, to do what uh, we were redeemed to do, and to walk in his timing and in his anointing. And that last Sub point, point four, sub point is when is it time to act? God sets the timing and the order for all things. Marching around the walls of Jericho, God gave the people the instructions of when to sound the trumpet and when to give the shout. And it was in his timing that the wall fell. You know, in his timing on the fourth day of Lazarus' entombment, Jesus came. His uh, sister said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And, you know, it might look like Jesus had arrived too late. This is something for you maybe today. How many know four days in the tomb isn't too late for Jesus? Four days in the tomb isn't too late for Jesus. had two friends that were talking, older friends, and I love them dearly. One's gone to heaven and one's here, but not here, but still on the, well. Anyhow, they're talking one day, having this discussion, and the one man says, you know, I, I raised someone from the dead. And uh, the other man said, you didn't raise anybody from the dead. And we know who raises people. It's God, I understand. He said, oh yeah, I did, I did. And the man said, well, I want you to tell me who you raised from the dead. When did it happen? Where did it happen? 
And then the man said, to clarify things, he said, well, he wasn't all the way dead. <laughs> wasn't all the way dead. I want to tell you, uh, you know, Lazarus was all the way dead. He wasn't just almost dead. He was all the way dead four days in the tomb. You might think it's too late for God to turn something in your life and to turn it around, but if you'll embrace who you are, who God declares himself to be, and walk in what God's called you to do and to be Holy Spirit sensitive to the timing for what he's called you to do, it isn't too late. I'm telling you, I want you to remember this today. Four days in the tomb's not too late for Jesus. Yesterday's not too late for Jesus. Ten years ago, it's not too late for Jesus, you know? He can reach into your past and he can fix what you can't fix. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that are done that, you know, have altered the course of relationships and things, but the things that are of eternal significance and value, God can reach back there and he can... Lord God Almighty, we thank you today because we're not not praying because that's what we're supposed to do. Lord, we're praying because we are your children. We're your children, Lord God. We are thankful. We are grateful today that, Lord, we're we're not, we're not, Lord, we might be uh, considered to be odd and we might not be considered to be, Lord, uh, the norm of what the world would, would look for in people. But, Lord, that's the way it is with the kingdom. We are kingdom people. We live by the principles of the kingdom of God. We live, we live in relationship. We bow our hearts before the king of kings. Come on, church. That's how we know we're a kingdom. We have a king, right? We have a king of kings and lord of lords. And we are in relationship. We are children to our Father in heaven because the King of kings has secured it for us. And we give him our worship. We give him our praise. We Today, Lord God, say, I am who your word absolutely declares that I am. Your Holy Spirit testifies and bears witness with my spirit that I have become a child of God. It's the Spirit of God in me who testifies and bears witness to the fact that I am God's child. It is the anointing of God upon my life that, Lord, bears witness that I walk with kingdom authority, that I'm not walking through this life in anemic, weak, sickly, low-down defeated mindset. We walk in humility knowing that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, He will lift us as we need to be lifted for a situation for His glory. Hallelujah. How many church, you're you're hungry today, just you're hungry for God. You're hungry for a move of God in your life like never before. God's always moving. He's always alive. If he wasn't moving and he wasn't alive, he would be dead and stagnant. And God is never dead and stagnant. Religion is dead and stagnant. God is never dead and never stagnant. God is life. Lord, we welcome your life into our lungs today. We welcome your life into our hearts. Lord, we renounce anything, Lord God, that has sought Uh, to usurp the throne of our hearts and Lord that we've left the door open a little bit for it or maybe we've left it open all the way Lord our hearts today none of this message makes any sense to anybody if, if our hearts are not open to the Lord 
Our intellect will tell us it has no relevance, no application. I get weary of hearing people always, uh, you know, implying that the Word of God has no relevance unless we season it with something. God, your Word is is alive today. How many of you here today will just lay hold of who you are in Christ? Not just this morning. You've got to build on that. It's not just a message. You say, I got it, Pastor. I got your message. I don't really care about that. I I do care. But what I care is that you get what God has been impressing through this message that will change something in your life. You know, anybody that takes too much pride in a a good sermon is kind of, and not giving real thought to what it is that God is speaking into their lives personally. And not, Lord, acknowledging that this could be a turnaround moment for them, it doesn't mean much. Lord, your word never returns void. It's a powerful word. Lord, I receive it today. Church, how many of you? There are people that were lined up at police stations in the Ukraine, uh, young and old, to get weapons. Weapons. And they said they were handing out guns to common citizens like candy. They had so many guns that they were giving out. And there were grandmothers and children. There were 14-year-old boys out there with guns. Husbands leaving their families to go defend uh, their nation, knowing that there was a very good chance that a lot of them would never come back again. say that to say this. There was something so powerful, so gripping about that, that told me that as believers, we have to use the weapons that God has given us, and we've got to not turn them on one another. They've got to be turned on the enemy, on darkness. Ephesians, you know, the whole armor of God, come on, what does that mean to anybody? If it's not, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to to bring that revelation to our hearts about how that works and what the purpose of it is, we're going to just go around talking all the time. God, help us to be armed and, Lord, walking and utilizing the, the resources that you've given us, Lord God, to be who it is we, are, we have been created to be, that we can know who God is, that we can, Lord God, do what it is that we've been called to do. God never calls us to do something that is doomed to failure. doesn't mean that we might be not be a Jeremiah. We might not come up against that wall. But whatever it is that God purposed for Jeremiah to do, he did it. And God works beyond what we see in the natural eye. Lord, we praise you. Tammy, would you, would you lead us? And, you know, this morning, if you want to, you're, you're, the altar's always open. People say the altar's not open. The altar's always open. We don't have, uh, uh, you know, we don't have where, hey, you can't come up here. This is not just for the pastor and the, the, this is, just, no, uh-uh. this is for God and you. It's God and you, God and you. And so if we worship today and you say, man, I, I, I believe that God wants to, this to be a turnaround moment for me. 
And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if anybody else shows. I don't care what anybody, I don't care as far as how it affects what I'm going to do. I care for others. I just don't care with regard to, to my making my decision aligned with what others would do. I want what God wants for me this morning. Tammy, would you go ahead and just lead us into that? If you want to, it's open. And we'll just ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit through the building today. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.